Hey y'all, you're listening to Big Facts No Cap with Paul and Adrian, the only podcast that's number one with people who are naughty or nice or sporty spice. Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap No cap. You know, a little behind the scenes for the audience. We always do a 10 seconds of silence before the start of the episode to remove the background uh, sound. Like it just gives us. Wait, I thought that was like a 9 11 thing. (laughs) That was going to be the joke I was making. Should we start commemorating (laughs) our 10 seconds of silence every every episode to a different cause? I think we could do a lot. Like one day we could commemorate it to all the people lost in Legoland throughout the years. Mm, the seven people every year who die at Disney World. How many do you think die at Legoland? I mean, they get a lot less foot traffic. Can we commemorate this to the uh, the eight spiders per year that we eat in our sleep? R.I.P. They were real ones. And now I have their power. Not like Spider-Man, but like, you know, in math. I just have their memories. Mostly boring. I'm not going to lie. They don't live real cool lives. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like, about? hey, I got to fly today. <laughs> I built a web today. I was going to say, actually, what are you talking about? Their lives seem exciting. But have you ever noticed that thing where you'll see the same spider on like the same patch of brick walking past the area every day? And you're like, they must have moved. Do they like that specific part? Are they coming back or are they literally just sitting still for days? I don't know what's going on, but. Yeah, not too exciting. I mean, it's peppered with exciting moments that we probably can't imagine as like dull humans living modern lives that's true <laughs> the spiders never have to pay taxes well, on april 15th they're eating and munching on flies just like every other day that's what i'm getting at there, there there's like a high adrenaline moments for spiders right like where they got yeah i mean they're one of my friends studied uh spiders trying to usurp usurp other spiders webs oh really yeah is that like a slow thing or does it all come down to like one fight or is it like they just start hanging around the web the the other spider gets a little too awkward to say anything then they've like basically moved in with you they start leaving their toothbrush at your place mm-hmm. no no you got it okay <laughs> that the, that one the one that you described <laughs> that's how it is um no that was one of those good psychom things where um the two things were that he used a vibrator to simulate um, a spider like approaching the web and like sending vibrations throughout the web. So that's how he like simulated the spiders to act aggressively and defensively. And then the other thing is, is that, that how because he they justified purchasing a vibrator to the university on their money on his grant yeah, exactly. funding. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing is that because the way that the spiders initially like suss out who's stronger is that they do like an abdomen pumping behavior. So you got to call it like spider twerking, which was always really, really popular with, uh, you know, psychom audiences. I just don't know why you need the vibrator that's advertised as can reach the prostate. But okay, if it's for your research. <laughs> that's cool, though. So what what did they find out that like, so wait, sp- sorry, I made jokes. I actually am also kind of interested. The invading spider will shake the web a little bit. Like that's what the vibrating. Yeah, that's just the. Well, that's the nature of, like, getting onto a web and, like, approaching a, a web to try and t- take over it. Okay. It's more of a limiting factor than a... What did they find? Were, were there some, like, spiders who were, like, fight or flight? Like, some ran away, some would stay and try to fight the other spider? Yeah, there were, like, consistent individual differences 
uh, in addition to just body size that like was behavioral that determined whether or not they were willing to fight for their web. And then there was also like a like what do you call it? like a factorial design to it because he worked with native black widows and invasive brown recluses, um, which uh, added a whole nother component to the research. I think he talked to me about a um, article that like titled that was titled like Invasions of the Browns or something like that. Mm. Um that yeah. doesn't feel as fun as the twerking joke. He should have just like not gone with the like weird pun about racism on that one. Oh no no no! He did. He didn't use it. It was an, an article that he uh, saw that he was like in his research was like. Well, so that was the thing that I saw. <laughs> was that somebody trying to be cute in the way that he would like bring up twerking, or did, were they just added yeah. to their research that they didn't realize like maybe not a good no. idea to invoke the history of racism in my spider research? <laughs> no, I think there was someone trying to be a cool dude. Oh, uh, that's. That's very stupid. It really shows how people like just don't have a sense for like mm-hmm. what what's regular, what's normal. Like twerk joke, funny way to invoke the modern world in your spider research. <laughs> <laughs> don't do your Donald Trump impression. <laughs> um, the other thing that's cool about that dude, uh, I remember reading like a diversity paper about either ecology or animal behavior in particular. And they were talking about how, like, in the last four years, only nine black people in America have graduated with uh, PhDs in that field. And I was like, holy shit, my friend Cameron's one of those. (laughs) Cameron's one of those people. (laughs) Good on him. Good job, Cam. Yeah, that's one of those surveys where it starts feeling really funny when they can get individual quotes from every person Mm -hmm. who is, like, caught in the statistic. Hey, good for Cam. Not just another number, am I right? Is that is that a way to flip it to make it seem like it's not racism, but like a cool thing? That I don't know, man. When you're a black student here at Davis, you're not just another number because there's only three of you, so we know you by name. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Have we gone off the rails already? What are we supposed to be talking about? Oh, uh, the episode theme. Uh, do you want to do a media roundup, or should we jump into the theme if you uh, don't have anything to talk about? I got media roundups. Not real media, again. But, uh, <laughs> hit us with it. Or actually, place it down gently. Don't hit me with it. Okay, okay, okay. World Cup final. That was fun. I think I sent you the picture. Justin, Drake, Phil, my dad. Some guy named Juan who sat with us, who was really cool, uh, joined us for the game. That was fun. The crazy thing about that picture is there was one person who obviously stood out. That's true. I'm talking about you, Adrian, the person from the West Coast. Disgusting. Mm, that's true. You could sense that I wasn't like friendly with my neighbors in the same way that they are. I told you that story, right? No. Oh, really? This was this was in the last few days. Uh, I was um, coming back from Raleigh, which I'll talk about in a second, but I was going to just stay in Columbia so I could go to the bar in Columbia for the World Cup final at 10 a.m. Like I was going to be there an hour early, early anyways, and I was like, well, it'd be better to stay somewhere that's four minutes away than in a place that's 40 minutes away, so I'll just stay at Justin's place. Uh, and Justin was like, yeah, my mom said she's willing to go to Chapin to stay with my sister because she needs to get something before going to Charleston anyways. Um, so I got there, and I'm putting up my luggage. Justin's coming down because he lives in a fancy building where he has to like let me in. Um, and apparently it was a formerly hotel, so it also has that vibe to it. Um, but yeah, he was like, yeah, my mom's still upstairs, by the way. So just so you know, and I was like, oh, cool. I'd love to like actually be able to thank her in person for letting me stay here and like for letting me stay in Charleston last time I was here. Um, and the elevator opens and just some random old lady like just says, oh, it's good. So good to see you. So nice to see you again. And I was I apparently my reaction, according to Justin, was that I literally just like ignored them and looked down. Uh, and Justin says nothing. And we get into the elevator and he was like, that was my mom, by the way. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I was like, it's just, it's it's been 
12 years since I've seen her. Why did you think I would just know what she looks like now? Like, of course she knows what I look like. I was your one Guatemalan friend. Like, I did not know. This, like, a random white lady talk. Like, st- that happens to me sometimes. People just think that I'm, like, someone that they know. And Justin didn't say a goddamn thing. And I was like, can you send her a text apologizing? And her response when he sent the text being like, hey, sorry, Adrian didn't recognize you. Um, and she was like, oh, I just assumed being out in California, he doesn't remember what it's like to have nice neighbors anymore. <laughs> Um, so yeah, cause he told me she was in the room, not that she'd be in the elevator popping out in the next second being like, oh, hey, good to see you again. Um, and so, yeah, I felt really bad about that. But also Justin just saying nothing. It's the same thing as when his dad came to our, uh, our apartment or our house, our duplex, the senior year of college. And like he opened, I opened the door and he literally stood there like, remember me? And I was like, no, who are you? What are you doing here? (laughs) And it took a minute before he was like, I'm Justin's dad. And I was like, why do you people think you take like a central portion of my brain? Like, why do you think you guys are like key in my memories? He opened the door and he was like, turn around. He puts both hands around me over my eyes. Remember me? Guess who? Yeah, that's cute. That was one of the things That's a cute story. It was Okay. Uh, I feel really bad about it. So hey, officially, I just want to say to Miss Eason, I apologize. Like I said to Justin, literally 12 years since I've seen you. Why would you think I'd recognize you? Um, And then, oh, yeah. So that was from when I'm on my way back from Raleigh, which I went to go to Raleigh to visit my friend Allison. That was very fun. Went to a little. Apparently, I did like the things that you do when you interview there as a professor. So I basically did like the interview circuit for applying for a job at NC State. Um. So I went to the coffee shops and restaurants that she went to. They were pretty nice. A little bit yuppie. It's a little sterile over there. But she took me to a cool queer bar for a uh, burlesque show at the end of the night. And that was really fun. And then it was kind of a quick turnaround trip. So that was really about all that we got to do. I went to the flea market afterwards, which is where I got my present for you, uh, which you will get next time I see you. I, I have it. Um, I did, we're exchanging Christmas presents. That's good to know. I thought the presents we already gave each other were Christmas wait, presents. I didn't give you a present, though. The UAW shirt. You gave shirt. me a present. Oh, did you get that as a Christmas present? I thought the, uh, cause then that nullifies Wait, the- Wait, no, no, the no, no, you still have to give me what Charlotte you got DSA me. Charlotte DSA shirt. You still, you still have to give me what you got me. Yeah, it's not a present. Paul, I'm not gonna lie. There's no one else I could give it to. Like, it's literally, like, no one else would appreciate it. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's like just a for hat you. that says, I'm bald and to do a podcast and with I have Adrian. a small peen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, there's no one else for me to re-gift this to, so it's co- it's going to you whether or not you want it. It's a shirt that says, my best friend is a stupid Guatemalan. <laughs> and it has an arrow. <laughs> oh man i think that's it for me for media roundup that's what's been going on you know a lot of driving a lot of going around seeing people it's been fun oh i did a show uh uh, i I, uh phil and i did a two-man comedy skit at a uh, show at a on thursday uh that went really well and it was really fun i'm supposed to get the video of it uh phil couldn't figure out how to airdrop it to me so i think he's just gonna send it to me at some point but yeah you should definitely watch it It'll phil after recording the video simply looked out at his phone and was like what the fuck is this what am i supposed to do with this yeah exactly uh you want to get into the uh theme do you have a media roundup I've been listening to the audiobook for this book that I take it was a pretty big uh fiction book this year called Babel. The way I've been describing it is Franz Fanon meets Harry Potter. Mm, the real meeting of the minds. I'm enjoying it. There's uh it politically it aligns with me, but uh in execution it's not exactly the book for me. Wow. Go woke, go broke. Yeah, I've been saying that. Go woke, go broke. Which brings us to our theme, Go Woke, Go Broke. That'd be a horrible theme. 
I know, right? No, we have a different theme. It's oh. a Christmas episode, holiday episode. Well, my niece really likes the Grinch movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the uh, Jim Carrey version. Oh, not the new one? Not the Benedict Cumberbatch one? No. <laughs> nice. Okay, good taste. Yeah, and she, I have watched the scene where he eats an onion about a thousand times because she really likes it. She points to her mouth. I mean, it's very silly. And we have to put on that scene. I, I, do you remember it? It's not a very consequential yeah. scene. I don't know why she remembers it, why she likes it so starkly, but she makes us watch it over and over. She doesn't really like the part where he's going over his plans for the day. He's like, I've got too much to do. Solve world <laughs> hunger. Tell no one. <laughs> That's not her favorite joke. For- <laughs> no, she also really likes when he gets stuck in the chimney. She laughs up a little riot. Oh, that's funny. But I've watched. So, okay, so he's more of a slapstick lady, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not one for the heady jokes. She's not a fan of this podcast. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I've watched that movie like three times in two days at this point. Honestly, not a bad way to spend your holidays. I think I usually did that with Dorley. All right. Um, our theme is naughty or nice. Oh, I did mean to bring that up really quickly. Do you remember off the top of your head who directed that movie? I know because at the beginning of the onion scene, it's so close to the start of the movie. It is still like putting the people's names Mm -hmm. who worked on it. So I do know executive produced by Ron Howard for sure. Yeah. Also directed by Ron Howard. I missed that question at trivia last night and I was very disappointed with how many times I've watched that movie. All right. Our theme is naughty or nice. Mm hmm. I think we know which one Paul is choosing. Which one? I'm really not sure what you're implying here. I feel like you always say you're a nice boy. I am a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Nice guys finish last, man. You know that's one of my number one complaints about life. I'm always that's going true. on and on about how bitches only want um, assholes. And I'm a dirty little dog, so we know which one I am. <laughs> rough, rough. The concept of naughty or nice as far as it relates to Santa, traumatizing for kids, right? Because it just seems to imply to, if you have any rich friends, you're like morality heavily correlated to wealth. Do you think kids think about it like that? Yeah, the kid that dunks my head in the toilet every day at school really seems to be an actually a nice guy. <laughs> he got two PS5s. Maybe I'm the villain. Maybe I'm the Liz Lemon of this story. It turns out that I'm actually the mean one. <laughs> yeah, I w- I've been shoving my head into the water and he's been trying to pull me out. I've been making mean, sassy comments about his parents getting divorced after he does that. <laughs> and I'm the real villain. Did your family do any cute things? Like, uh, I know, like, Izzy's family does, like, Chris Krampus, where every, like, you know, it's, uh... Everybody gets assigned Peter? one. Everybody gets assigned one person to give a good gift to, and one person to give like a mocking gift to. Really? Oh, that's cool. I feel like I'd be against that because I feel like a big part of doing the uh, draw your name to get one person to give a gift to is just because you have a big group of people and too many people to give presents to. But I guess if you add one on, that's like you know, spend an extra five bucks to get a prank gift for somebody. That's not too bad. I like that. My family's MO is every year we tell each other we're all too poor to get each other gifts, and then yeah, some of us end up getting each other gifts, <laughs> some of us don't. <laughs> okay, That's so your do. family doesn't have any sort of gag gift tradition. Everybody gets each other. Nah, I don't think... You know, it's not, not within the spirit of what we do, but uh, it seems like a waste of money. I mean, it's just not something that develops in every family, man. It's, it doesn't seem like that big a waste of money. No, I'm morally against it. I'm sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to be so, like, middling about it. I'm absolutely against that. <laughs> the coal thing. That's not a real thing, right? No parent actually gives their kids coal to try to teach them that they were a shit kid. I don't know. I think grandmas who, like, would wash your mouth out with soap legitimately would do something like that. Oh, really? And a little note that was like, you weren't nice enough to your grandma this year. 
from Santa. I think I think really Republican parents are like, but it's clean coal, so it's good coal. It's actually a good gift. <laughs> Let's support our coal miners. Yeah, exactly. It feels like such an 1850s like austere German man thing to do. Not a not a real thing somebody would do. But you're right. There's definitely some psychotic Republican in this country that still does that to his kids. Probably, yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, I know that like because it's, it's hard to say because I I don't know anyone who's like that crazy. But I certainly know people who didn't get what they wanted for Christmas. I think most of them are kind of like annoying kids. Like, I think my little neighbor, like she had like a run of five or six years where every year she wanted a cell phone and her mom refused her to refuse to get her one. And so like Christmas every year was just a huge bummer for her because even though she got a bunch of presents and a bunch of cool stuff, she still didn't get the cell phone. So it was a, a, a loss for her or whatever. But I don't think I ever had anything like that for me or like my siblings or anything. Like, did she still believe in Santa or didn't at that point? No, 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 this was like teenage years. This was like, you know. Well, that just seems like the type of thing where you, your parents, like, that seems like something where you talk it out before Christmas, so it's not like a last minute discovery. <laughs> Paul, let me tell you what, if there is one thing that could have fixed this family, communication would have been key. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Should we have them all on the pod? It sounds like they need a lot of advice. And no. we're experts oh, at giving that- it. <laughs> I think we've talked about this before, but I'm now up to two white women that I've made cry because I told them not to call me their brother. Uh, one of the people is the people in this story, and then the other one is Doralee's current best friend. Hey, in that book I'm reading that I called Franz Fanon meets uh, Harry Potter, there is a scene where uh, the main character is upset that a white woman is weaponizing her tears. That's funny. The irony did not escape any of us that despite the fact we were telling her about our pain, she was the one crying. Oh, and too, I was like, too on the nose, but too real. It's too on the nose, and also a lot of the parts Very of that real. book feel like I'm rereading a Twitter thread I've already read, but through the dialogue of characters. Yeah. Um. No. So it was Doralee's friend's birthday, so she put her on the phone for me to say happy birthday. And apparently she regrets saying this because she doesn't even think it this way. But she was like, yeah, Doralee's kind of my sister. So I guess like you're my brother, too. And I was like, oh, that's actually a thing. I don't like white women saying that I'm their brother <laughs> just for whatever arbitrary reason they want. And Doralee took the phone and was like, Ixnay on the white nay stuff. That's going to actually make her cry. Oh, <laughs> off the phone. And I was like, oh, sorry. Didn't mean to be a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like she really took more offense to you calling her out on some sort of weird racism. <laughs> Not being your sister yeah i guess so. <laughs> you made it really seem like she just really wanted you to be a sibling she was like my brother died when i was seven adrian and i thought that i'd finally found a new family in my life not me not it <laughs> i'm gonna say nose goes on that one lady <laughs> <laughs> your friendship and camaraderie with you and your sister has brought me a sense of belonging that I just never thought I could find. This is again our in this first world. time calling each other ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but how can you take an issue with her saying that you're like a brother to her when I've heard you call every black person you've ever met brother? <laughs> what do you mean? You're always like brother man, brother man. Yeah, from another mother. <laughs> None of them have complained. <laughs> You're always immediately like the fish version of Will Smith from Shark Tale. You're like, you're like my brother from another mother. I'm just doing my Cornell West. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Brother Paul? <laughs> Adrian, remember, if you go with Cornell West for Halloween, there's one thing you can't do. And what is that, Brother Paul? And that's his hair. He has that uh, trademarked.
You have that copyrighted. Oh, you can't do a wig. It is pretty good. It is great hair. Yeah. He's like the modern um, Einstein. He really like his hair is his calling card. That's true. That and him sticking his tongue out going, eh. Hot <laughs> 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 <Not> girl summer. <laughs> um, that does remind me, uh, in a more positive light, we've stopped doing Donkey of the Day, but we're now doing Cool Dudes of the Day. And as always, that goes to Cornell West. Cornell West. Is he not someone that, like, actual radical left people don't like at this point? Or are we still cool saying that he's cool? I like Cornell West. Oh, maybe. I think he might have said it's, uh, you should vote for uh, the Democrat if every leftist candidate is out. And that, I don't know. Sometimes it's mm. hard to keep track of what left people are angry at other left people about. Yeah. Do you want to hear my impression of Cornell East? No, to be honest with you, not at all. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, it was very, it was very ill-conceived. I kind of did the name first and was going to try and come up from there, and I don't think I had anything, to be honest. No cap. Uh, wait, she's working at a fireworks stand? Yeah, her uncle owns a big chain of fireworks stands in southeast Texas called Mr. B's. So if you know Mr. B's out in southeast Texas... Support him. Yeah, support him. Go out there. Uh, I think he just sold it to another family member, and for some reason she agreed to work one of the stands, and her and her sister are doing it. That sounds cool. I, I thought about, like, there was a hot second where uh, Phil Coleman and I all really, and Drake and I all really wanted to uh, do a shift at Tokyo Grill when I was back here last time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like like some people that they had to pool in for one last mission? Yeah, like Alberto was literally just like, hey, if you guys... <laughs> Like I'm having trouble scheduling people. If you guys ever want to come do a shift, and we were, I was like, hell yeah, I'll work. I'll work one shift. Yeah. Even though I never worked the grill, I'm gonna try my best this time to <laughs> to, to chop it up on the grill to gain that experience. I used to make myself lunch on the hibachi sometimes. Ooh, nice. Which technically, it's not a hibachi. It's a different word. I forget what the explanation is. I think. Anyways, don't worry about it. It's a tamagotchi. Ooh, that was another answer to a question from last night. Ooh, what viral '90s toy allowed you to play with a virtual pet? Essentially, yeah, it was like top-selling Christmas toys or whatever throughout the years. Hey, we've done a segment on that. How often do our third segments from past episodes help you at Trivia? This is Slumdog Millionaire all over again, baby. <laughs> Except every memory is you recording an episode with me. <laughs> yeah, it's a really boring It's a really boring movie. <laughs> it starts with me in the favela, unable to afford shoes to play soccer. <laughs> and then it's just me doing a podcast later on and be like, oh, I remember that. Congrats to Argentina, by the way. I don't know. Do you actually have a take on the goat conversation? Um, yeah, I think it's way cooler. And people will say that you can't do this because of how much soccer has transformed and how much the game has transformed. Ronaldinho. If you want it. Oh, I do love Ronaldinho. That's actually kind of my controversial opinion of who I think the goat is. But no, if you really want to be cool, Paul, be like, oh, Alfredo De Stefano, obviously. <laughs> people will just be like, who? <laughs> and you'll be like, you don't know about 1960s Real Madrid? Are you kidding me? <laughs> He was unplayable on his day. Are you kidding me? <laughs> who was the uh, old Argentinian player who recently passed away? Maradona. Maradona. He's not in there. Yeah. He's not in the conversation for GOAT. He was just really good. No, him and Pele were, that used to be the, the, the dichotomy of who the GOAT was. If you wanted to be Eurocentric, you could say Johan Cruyff. But no, I really like to do the thing where you just like really pick kind of like an outsider from 70 years ago. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, at this point, Messi, 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 Messi. You think Messi is the GOAT? Um... Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to be held to that conversation. 
It's really funny how when somebody cares about something a lot, it feels like you had PR training when that answer came up. Like you were worried that you were going to offend sponsors <laughs> by saying the wrong thing. When we talk so flippantly about so much bullshit we don't know about, but you're like, I know about this. So all of a sudden, I'm really going to like think my words through. All of a sudden, sure. I want to make sure I'm not being misconstrued here. All of a sudden, my famous saying, all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden. All right, Adrian, do you want to get into uh, columns? Oh, you know what? Another thing that I'll give a, a recommendation to for Media Roundup that is actual media. Uh, I know that you probably aren't in this sphere of YouTube at all, um, but Seth Meyers, who does his late night show, has a segment where he goes out day drinking with people, and they are surprisingly delightful uh, YouTube videos. And he just had one with Lizzo, and I think it might have been maybe the best one he's done so far. And it's just a fun little glimpse, one, into how much Seth Meyers can drink, uh, which I think makes sense given his background is like a, what, like, english british i don't know whatever do you friends with john mulaney uh, oh yeah i know right <laughs> but dude it's just a fun silly time and those videos are usually a good way to like waste 10 15 minutes so i recommend that one the ones with like lord and rihanna are also really fun too but is he doing carpool karaoke no i wish that's james corden's bag all right well i'm not gonna watch either of them then all right have you sent me this yet uh no do you want me to send it it's a dear prudy Sure. I'm, I I did want to comment that I think <laughs> I almost wanted to like ask if we should start doing a silent reading of each article before we do the uh, answers, because I feel like in the last few episodes, we both had a habit of just completely missing key parts of the, of the article. <laughs> like we both just start talking about something and it's like clearly something that was like covered in the article and we just weren't paying attention. <laughs> Um, I did notice that last episode. What was it? I just totally forgot. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, I don't know. I think there was one, yeah, in the last one you didn't remember that she was fired and not that she quit or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought it was she did a walkout, which I was like, that's pretty cool. And it turned out she mm-hmm. was fired and now destitute and homeless, so it sounded like I was being way too positive. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to commit to really following along on your reading on this one. All right, good idea, good idea. I am a 26-year-old woman. My parents are well off and I enjoyed private education, nice vacations and another and a number of other advantages. But it's but it was always understood that I would go to college, pursue a career and make my own way through the world. Recently, my grandmother died and left me and my siblings enough money that theoretically we don't have to work unless we want to. I hadn't realized before then how substantial my inheritance was. I love my work and I have no intention of quitting. Everyone I know works. My boyfriend has changed overnight from being a lovable down-to-earth guy to being someone I don't recognize. He is pressuring me to quit my job and work with him on an unfunded travel blog. He has also recently started being inexplicably rude to wait staff and is expressing increasingly conservative views about poor people. The other day he made an overtly racist joke about our cab driver's nationality and his laziness. I was mortified. When I challenge him on some of his more offensive behavior, he tells me he's joking. I feel like the shift has occurred only since we discovered I had money. I don't want to break up because I love him, but I am blindsided by the change. Is this who he always was, or has the money changed him? I want to bring in the words of one of the most wise men that have ever walked this earth. Make the money, don't let the money make. Mm. Did Garfield say that? That was Macklemore. Okay. Okay. Uh, I love the idea. I really hope that the nationality of the cab driver was like Japanese and he's like not used to being rich. So he's just kind of throwing whatever sticks to the wall. Like, hey, a Japanese guy. No wonder he's not working hard. You know what I mean? 
He doesn't know racism yet. <laughs> He's, he has to develop it. He comes from. He doesn't have that old money racism. <laughs> um, yeah, these are very obvious red flags. I feel like uh, if her only reason for like sticking with him is because she loves him, like girl, you can love someone else. There's plenty of people to love. There's lovable people everywhere. Yeah, like Adrian. She's young. I did she say? I feel like I just said I was going to pay real attention to this, but did she say how long they've been together? No. I feel like that's important information, and then also qualities besides the fact that I love him would be good information. But these are all pretty big red flags. Being nice to waitstaff, and then when your girlfriend, not even your wife, receives a large inheritance, starting mm-hmm. to be like mean to waitstaff after that. Obviously, it's just wrong to be mean to people, even if you are rich, but it's That's very- a pet peeve. But it is very funny that hypothetical money made him meaner. Mm-hmm. And ruder and more smug and wealthy. Like, that there's something about the fact that he's not even married to her. The money is not his in any way. And it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like she's like actually started living any sort of luxurious lifestyle with him. But just the simple idea that she has a big number in her bank account, that's shifted his entire personality to now mm-hmm. he just speaks with a British accent and is like, tut, tut. um, yeah, yeah tired of these rabble all around these streets what are you talking about we live in saint paul minnesota there's <laughs> not like a super busy city <laughs> the idea that like it's not even his money or his lottery or his thing that he won <laughs> is changing him like clearly i think anything could have caused this like really like you could have won the uh, monopoly at mcdonald's and he'd start, <laughs> he'd start being an asshole he's like a second free fry <laughs> it doesn't seem like she's changed at all by this but she was already kind of well off is that what it is yeah she went to like private school she seems like you know well attention liberal sort of well off like she's yeah i I think based on the latest uh editing of my cv i have enough undergrads where maybe there's enough coverage here but um one of my previous undergrads did basically tell me that they were like yeah, I don't know. I have a grandma with a lot of money, and like I'm gonna get a lot of that whenever she dies. So that's kind of what I'm waiting on right now. Is <laughs> like my strategy for life. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I like to make fun of rich people, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I, how else would you play it? Like, why would you work? I mean, that's so true. When I heard the thing about like I'm making enough money or I'm getting enough money that I don't need to work, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't. What are you talking about? But you'd also immediately start wearing costume jewelry, and when people called you on it, you'd be like, well, it's not real yet, but it's gonna be real. It's coming. It's a placeholder. <laughs> it's a placeholder. And you get used to the weight on my neck. <laughs> uh, wait, did you say something about my collarbone? <laughs> oh, yeah, I said, whenever you were talking about, like, having a big influx of money, I was like, what story is he gonna tell when he got, like, his uh, freshman year uh, money for scholarship, or what oh, <laughs> he got did love that. his medical money? Oh, both of those were not life-changing amounts of money, but... Hey, I remember you acting a little different. You were strutting around with that volcano, and you were like, Paul, you don't have one of these? (laughs) Uh, You should certainly get one. It wasn't a volcano. It was a a step down from a volcano. But yes, in case anyone wanted to know, this is not a Hawaiian thing about me looking Hawaiian. This is about a a weed vaporizing device that I bought with some scholarship money. Yeah. Mine looked like a Black & Decker drill. Rubbed it in my goddamn face, you piece of shit. Yeah, man, I used to, I gave that to my sister and I think she immediately broke it or lost it <laughs> after I stopped smoking weed like that. Man, that was a good weed vaporizer too. I remember I used to hit it before bed every night and I used to tell everybody, you know, if you vape weed, you can still uh, bake with it afterwards. It keeps enough of the THC to do that. So it's Ooh. really more economical. 
Yeah, yeah, you saved money on that $600 weed weed toy. It was about treat feeding. It was about treat feeding. I think you need to set up a moral test for your boyfriend to figure out if he's naughty or nice. Pretend you lost it all? Yeah, pretend you lost it all. Mm. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I uh, I don't like this guy. I'm, I'm, he, he, he sounds like a rude dude. Also, it is very funny that as he became racist, he now also wants to travel to interact with as many foreign cultures as possible. <laughs> well, like the good ones, you know? Oh, okay. You think he's? You don't think he's trying to backpack through, like, Tibet or something? Probably, but, like, you know. They're just as racist there as we are here, so, like, really, it's, you know. You oh, you do? think racism in America is bad, Adrian? Have yeah. you seen what see Asian that. people think of each other? They all hate each other. Yeah, come on now. Come on now. There's That's that- what my travel blog is about. <laughs> My travel vlog is uh, documenting all the different types of racism in other countries to yeah, prove exactly, that white yeah. people are cool. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> it's what your grandmother would have wanted. That That is, a, you could probably get that sponsored by the Daily Wire. <laughs> you could even, like, you don't have to use your money for that one. All right, you want to hear the answer? Yeah, what's Prudy going to say about this? I'm not sure if your boyfriend has always been like this in the sense that he's been counting on your inheritance from your first date. But no, your grandmother's money didn't magically and overwhelmingly change him into a selfish, self-centered, thoughtless, racist person. It didn't magically make you any of those things overnight, and it's not your bank account. Surely, if that's just what that amount of money does automatically to any human who comes across it, you'd be as irreparably changed as he is, and would have thought his joke about your cab driver was absolutely hilarious. I know you love him, but I think if you stick around and listen to many more of his pound cake speeches or watch him push around a bunch of underpaid waitresses, you're going to watch your love shrivel up and die in record time. Is that an expression, pound cake speeches? Yeah, I've never heard that. He is telling you everything that you need to know about his character. He feels entitled to your money, doesn't care about your career, thinks people who work in restaurants and drive cabs and work in the service industry are beneath him, doesn't even bother to hide his contempt from you, and thinks you're stupid enough to buy the excuse that his overnight personality change that happened to coincide with your inheritance is just a series of hilarious jokes. He is handing you red flag after red flag. If you ignore these warnings, it'll be at your own peril. Danny M. Lavery was prudy for that question. Yeah, that was a good answer. Yeah, no, it was clear. Yeah, this guy sucks. And then, you know, advice for finding a new boyfriend? Don't don't talk about any of that stuff, maybe. Yeah. Try and keep it on an equal footing. Also, don't shower or, like, clean yourself for anything of that so you know he truly loves you for you. Just look disgusting on your first your date. Yeah. I can't even afford a bar of soap, so I know he mm-hmm. really loves me. Yeah, when you get the fork at the restaurant for your food, try try combing your hair with it as if you don't even know what a fork is. <laughs> Yeah, because if, if people don't love you at that, then they don't love you at your best. Well, if he hears your if he hears your highborn aristocratic accent, he might know you're wealthy. So, mm-hmm. talk with like a really weird, funny voice. Talk like Cartman from South Park. Yeah, <laughs> do a Trump impression the whole date. Yeah, exactly. Because then, if he really likes what you're saying and not how you're saying it, he'll stick around. Yeah, he'll look past that Trump impression. Mm-hmm. These are the best dinner rolls ever, folks. Love these dinner rolls. And he'll be your Mike Pence. Now that you've um gotten some money, based on a video that Paul and I watched on Jubilee, you could become a sugar mama. No, don't do it. Come on. Like, it seemed like that lady should have just been able to date that guy without paying him. 
It's $3,000 a month. I mean, or you're basically paying $3,000 a month for your partner. Come on now. I really don't think I am. I, 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 I crunched the numbers real quick, and I don't In think one that's second, how much Paul, I'm, really? You're that quick of a computer? I don't think that's how much I'm spending. I don't know. She always gets the extra stuff. She always gets the avocado on her Chipotle burrito. <laughs> Ooh, that is true. That is true. But mm-hmm. she's vegetarian, so she never pays for the uh, more expensive protein, so it really evens mm-hmm. out. That's true. But then you have to buy her those vitamin B12 pills, you know? Yeah. <laughs> The visits to the emergency room for scurvy. <laughs> she still eats citrus. <laughs> Man, I wasn't thinking that joke through. Yeah, what would you get if you don't? For it, it, it'd be anemia. I think sometimes you miss iron. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I was also thinking about going vegetarian for like the next week. I've had too much fried chicken this week. Oh my god! I was gonna take you to uh, a Brazilian steakhouse when I saw you, but I guess not anymore. Um, I was joking. I just wanted you to admit that you weren't really going vegetarian. Wow, that is manipulative AF. Well, Izzy did just get a big inheritance, so I have become a little bit ruder recently. Certainly with a dude. A little bit more manipulative. I don't like that one bit. It's not a good color on you, honey. Uh It's the the Parisian way. uh, I speak with this accent uh, ever since I received that text halfway through the episode. That uh, Isabel is uh, now a LCRS. The firework guy died. Who are we? She's now the owner of all these firework stands. This is uh, Monsieur B's. Monsieur B has passed away. Is now her firework. Mm. Have you watched the new Knives Out yet? Uh, no, uh, American cinema does, uh, does not interest me. Mm. I, uh, well, I like to watch Godard. What? I watch Godard. Not this American cinema trash poo-poo doo-doo. You watch Rush Hour 3? Uh, we, is this said? is uh, only Rush Hour 3. It is uh, French cinema. They are in Paris. That's true. That's true. It's a good one too, right? All right. It's been cool hanging out with French Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And he just texted me that she didn't actually get the inheritance. He pulled through. He's alive. <laughs> Mr. B is going to make it. <laughs> he brought back to life. <laughs> And they spent all of the money he had getting him back to life. So if he dies again, none of that money's going back to him. <laughs> all right, I'm talking normal again. It turns out I, I don't have God a wealthy girlfriend. Um, all right, you want to move to my article? Yeah, let's do it. I have, yet again, here's the thing from Sophia Benoit, September 27th, 2021. Should I work for an MLM? Is that immoral? A cutie. I'm dealing with a big moral dilemma. I graduated college during the pandemic and was really struggling to find a job, so I took a pretty shitty hourly customer service position a year ago. Since then, I've been applying to jobs in my field that I have an actual degree in, and it pretty much always ends with the company ghosting me. I know that the job market is not great right now, but it's infuriating and draining, and I'm miserable all the time. I just got a call today that I got an offer for a nonprofit company for a salaried position. I was excited to quit my current job. However, upon some online investigation, this nonprofit is definitely an MLM. It's all legal, and they genuinely do donate what they say they do, but my job would consist of recruiting people who, granted, already show interest in the company and would be contacting us to sell the product. 
I don't think I'd be getting screwed over because I'm earning a decent year's salary as well as commission for recruiting people, and I don't really have to do any cold calling, but I feel morally weird about it. If I take the job, am I a bad person for recruiting people to do something that they may lose money on? I don't know the specifics of it, but from the reviews online, it seems like pretty standard stuff. And if I tell people the company that I work for, will they think less of me? Will it look bad on my resume if people recognize that the specific company is an MLM? Or will they just see my title and job duties and be impressed? I was so happy initially to finally feel like I was moving forward with my life, but now I don't know if I'm still stuck. Any words of wisdom you have would be appreciated. Thanks, a scared, dumb, frustrated 20-something. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and say right here, right now, thank God they wrote into Sophia Benoit and not the SSS for the New York Times, because... They would he, say, hell yeah, brother, let's go. <laughs> yeah, his thing was for the person who like was a lawyer that it makes you a cool dude to work for the uh, oil companies when you're a lawyer uh, who wanted to do environmental stuff because making money makes you a rude dude with a dude. So thank God he didn't write into the ethicist, that asshole who gives bad advice and tells people to give up their morals to work somewhere. I bet you uh, Sophia Paul Benoit- really hates Kwame. All I'm saying is that Kwame legitimately gave some of the most immoral advice I've ever read in a publication under the title of Ask an Ethicist, so maybe mm. he should, uh, I don't know. Re- resign. Quit resign. your job. Quit your job, Kwame. Resign uh, in shame. But I bet you Sophia Benoit, she has a good head on her shoulders. I feel like she's going to tell this person, like, no, absolutely don't take this job. First off, your confidence you not- that- you don't think there's enough context here where they're like, hey, man, it seems like life is a real, real struggle for you. Maybe just do what you can to get by. I think that their confidence that they're not going to get screwed over is a little bit, like, diluted. I, I don't think uh, I don't think a multi-level marketing place will necessarily, just because you're a salaried employee, mm-hmm. treat you well or be fair or a good place to work at. I, it sounds like they really wanted another job. It didn't sound like they were actively like starving or Mm -hmm. in destitute it just sounds like they really want to move on with their career which is a total different thing than like i desperately need a job moving on with your career is not Mm. i am desperately in need of employment no ethical production under capitalism paul yeah but there's there's some more ethical things yeah you think you should just get a job at mcdonald's yeah but only only in Brazil as the person who starts the fires in the rainforest so that the land can then be sold off to be used for uh, cattle grazing. The mm, guy who does that cool for job. McDonald's. Yeah, that's cool, dude. Lead arsonist. Lead arsonist. That's kind of a cool job title, though. <laughs> if I saw that on the CV, I'd be like, all right, get in here. <laughs> I'm joking. You know they subcontract that out. They can't hire anybody with that job. They're not label. giving that guy health benefits. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. I get that it's frustrating and that it's been a long time. But uh, yeah, I think maybe some wariness about how good the job actually is and maybe that there is uh, a better strategy and just keep holding on if you're doing all right, at least enough to live for a job that's going to be more, you know, that you're proud of and that you're willing to share with people without being embarrassed. And that will also give you whatever benefits this job is giving you. I'm sure that'll come. You should go in as a white hat and turn them into a single level marketing company. An SLM? An SLM. They're a non-profit MLM. It is so crazy that in America sometimes companies, like, have you ever, like, half the Blue Cross Blue Shields in this country are registered as non-profits because there's, like, a different registration for every state, and in some states it's beneficial to be considered a non-profit? What? 
Yeah. <laughs> so they're a health insurance company claiming to be a nonprofit. What are the qualifications yeah. for that? I thought there were more know. strict. Com- yeah. I don't know the exact rules. I'll send you an article. <laughs> That's insane. God. So no, this isn't exactly uncommon. The idea of like a very clearly for-profit company just being registered as a nonprofit. Hmm. I mean, so wait, what do you what what type of thing do you think we're talking about here? Do you think we're talking about like a clothing thing or like a healthcare product or a knives that you can cut through a shoe? I think those are like the older school ones. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah, they're not like Mary Kay anymore, right? Like you're not just getting a bunch of makeup to store in your garage and sell slash mm-hmm. try to hire other people to be reps for the company. I don't know nowadays. Uh, I think there's an element of there's an element of what do you call it like real estate to MLM sometimes too now like where you'll like own a timeshare but also like sell timeshares. I don't know. Yeah. It's also complicated, Adrian, but I'll take them at face value. There's a lot of these companies. They're, they got introduced to one of them. Sure, sure. Do you think got- there's like a funnier one than others? Like, what would be the funniest product for them to be, uh, to, for them to be based on at this company? Oranges? That's <laughs> something orange. really highly perishable. <laughs> That was that was specifically like Mary Kay, right? Or like the like some of them with like actual products that they were selling. That was like the worst part of it, right? Was that which doesn't work with perishables? Is that like was like makeup ones or whatever? They would encourage the people. They'd be like, "Well, you're definitely going to sell this much stock in a year, right? Because you want your salary to be like, you know, eighty thousand a year. So you have to sell this much stock to have your salary be at that level. So we'll go ahead and pre-order all of it. You can just store it in your garage for as you sell it. Like they would do shit like that Oof. to screw people over when they were joining as reps to a lot of these MLMs and force people to who they knew were not going to be able to sell that much stock a bunch of it in their garage. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, well, you're getting a better pricing on the bulk. It's a good idea if that's the salary you want to make. And they would talk people into buying way too much. I know. Yeah, I don't actually know that much about how these things work. All I know in my personal life is that when I was back in Columbia researching new businesses around town in the Vista, there's a new place, at least, you know, of a year or two ago called like Game Day Nutrition, where uh, it came it became like a local scandal that like they used Herbalife, which is like an MLM product to make their smoothies and stuff. Uh, and people were really mad about that and all into their Yelp reviews and stuff. And uh, I don't know, I think the company's like claim was that they're not trying to like get people to start selling that product they're just selling it as part of the products that they make and so it's not a big deal but that was the last time that i like saw a local thing where like an mlm was uh in 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 the crosshairs of a of a scandal yeah i mean that's mlms like at least the 80s version from my understanding are like it's like kind of like the franchisee system for fast food places but much smaller and more distributed and the idea is that you both become a seller of the product as well as you get a cut of everybody else you sign up to also become a seller of the product or to sort of like franchise mm-hmm. their own Herbalife or Mary Kay or whatever brand. So not only do you have to buy a bunch of Herbalife, store it and try to sell it, you're also signing up your friends to do the same and you get a 10% cut of whatever they sell or whatever. I feel like this isn't the same thing, but did you ever do that thing in school that we had to do where you had a catalog of stuff to sell to, like, adults, and if you sold enough things, you'd get prizes? Yeah, chocolate bars. Yeah, what? no, no, there was, like, a whole thing where you get a whole catalog. 
Yeah, there's. It was different. I I remember it being different different years. Some years it was a whole catalog of sellable items, and some years it was the one dollar chocolate bars. That sounds like a basketball like after school program. Like ours, I think was always like a catalog. And I remember my parents trying to help me out one time when I told them I was trying to like like I I made Ooh, my your dad parents are take not going to be able to buy nearly as much as the rich parents. <laughs> I mean, I made my dad like take it to work with him to like ask people if they wanted to buy things. And I remember like trying to ask my parents to help me with something and like. I feel like I have a vivid memory of, like, the cheapest thing in the catalog was, like, 17 bucks. Like, it was, like, expensive. Uh, Do you remember the part where they w- we would take, like, a whole half day out of class yeah. to all get uh, walked over to the uh, auditorium where, what like... What the fuck was that? Where some guy would stand on stage and he would, like, play with the toys. I remember one year he had a robot, which I liked so much I did end up getting it for Christmas that year. It was, like, mm-hmm. a robot that could walk and talk. And then I I remember there was like bow, there was always like moon boots as one of the gift. Uh, that was an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, and I remember it being a gift on ours too, like moon boots to jump. I think one of the smallest things I was able to get one year was um, it was a monkey with little expandable like rubber band arms, so you could put your hand in his little pockets in his hands and then fling him like a slingshot. Um, and it so that was one of the prizes, and if you sold enough stuff. One of the prizes was you got to use your new monkey sling toy to try and sling it into a bucket. And if you got that, you got an extra prize. Um, how is that not just gambling for kids? What what were we doing? What was that for? Remember what did that money real- go towards? Oh, I, I literally think the school got a cut and then the company who does that program gets the, all the money. The school that's gets abs- like that's absolute a percentage of it. That. And then uh, so that's how it can be considered like, you know. Like for the good of the school, yeah, fundraising. That is, but mostly that company got the money. But that is uh, inconscionable. Do you remember the? Do you remember the really ridiculous prices at the end? Prizes at the end of the catalog, like the real long. You get a jukebox. Yeah, like you just imagine yourself on like the little motorbike that you could wear. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, that would be the sickest thing ever. If I, I think you made the point earlier that makes way more sense, which is like, if your parents had the money, it's way cheaper for them to just buy the thing directly for you, <laughs> not to have you go around trying to sell things. I'm like, what was that? What what was going on? Don't even get me started on the uh, scholastic uh, book fairs, man. Wait, what was I'm joking. I don't think that was a yeah, fair. I think that was fine, right? <laughs> no, no, I think that was okay. But it would be very funny if there was a deep dark scam. Behind oh, I'm, I'm ready that for adorable. that YouTube video. <laughs> How the dark history behind fair. Scholastic? The dark colonial history behind <laughs> <laughs> the Scholastic book fair. It was actually started by Robert Bedford Forrest, founder of the KKK. <laughs> The year was 1895. <laughs> First Scholastic Book Fair was being attended by all the Montgomery elite. Did you ever buy anything at the Scholastic Gift Fair? Yeah, yeah. My parents would let book me fair? order a couple books. That, like, I would get like three books and, you know, you'd show up to class that day and they'd be on your table. Or mm-hmm. um, or did you have to walk to the fair to get them? I forget what it was. I never bought the books directly at the fair that they had up, but I would buy them from the catalog my parents let me take home. I don't think they trusted me with money <laughs> At the school, they weren't just going to give me a 20 to buy what I wanted. They knew you were going to get bullied and lose that. <laughs> no, no, no. They they knew how good I was at uh they knew how good I was at gambling. They they knew I'd be out there with those other kids getting their money playing dice. Exactly, playing marbles. <laughs> um <laughs> playing I think marbles. one year one year I distinctly remember getting a book. Uh I guess this this shows how old we are. It was a book that uh outlined all of the cheat codes for certain video games of the era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was not a good buy, because I didn't own most of those video games. 
that was the other part that was bad about being only able to afford one book was like i don't know like, like if i own spider-man on the ps2 gosh i could use this oh i'd be webbing it up right now <laughs> anyways yeah i don't know why that's what my mind made me think of is this idea oh, of trying i would to have get... unlimited all- ammo all day if i just own medal of honor but i'm all the goddamn ammo i needed Okay, advice for this person. Don't take the job with my real future eyes. I know that the job market's about to take a real quick turn all the way up, so wait it out. You'll be good. Don't take the job. Invest in Bitcoin. So wait, what's your threshold? You told me before that you, like, applied for a job at Amazon and stuff, right? And you, like, interviewed for it and you would have taken it. So, like, what's your threshold for, like, I wouldn't take this job? Well, you see, the thing is, I'm such a bad employee that I would see myself as a detriment to any company. So really, you see yourself I... as like an inside, <laughs> taking it out from the inside type person. Yeah. So I feel like it's actually worse if I work for a moral company. Because you'd be so bad at it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that'd be hurting them. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't condone this line of reasoning that you're using right now. <laughs> um, I think... There's some more directly evil things like being a lawyer at an oil company where your job is to hide their misdeeds or Mm -hmm. working at a literal multi-level marketing scheme where people are losing their money versus just working at a generically large company. But but, but but about being a terrible employee, she gets salary plus commission, so she could just get salary to be really bad at recruiting people. You know, talking about us paying more attention, I didn't remember the part where she said she gets commissioned. That makes it extra bad. Yeah. Well, because um, it's an incentive, but it could also be an incentive to be bad at your job. It's also one of those things where you're very clearly, like, your performance is being tracked, too. So it's like, if you don't sign anybody up, then you're actively going to be fired pretty quick. And I don't think this company has yeah. a good severance package. So you're just setting yourself up to be screwed. I can't remember where I heard this from recently, but someone was telling me about how, like, they worked at Victoria's Secret when they were in high school, and it was one of those places in the mall where, like, they had a credit card that they were pushing you to sell. And so every single day, the managers are like, how many, like, credit cards did you get people to sign up for? Are you pushing the credit card? Like, are you asking people, do you want it? If not, why don't you want it? Like, it don't, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I can't imagine having a job like that as a high schooler. I would not have been able to do that. Why don't you want it? Oh, you're not going to shop at Victoria's Secret enough? Oh, oh, your sex life isn't that great? <laughs> I got that from a Target employee once. I was like, oh, I come here like once in a blue moon. He was like, it's still worth it to have it, even if you only come here a little bit. And I was like, no, it really isn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you're like, my credit isn't good enough. Will you co-sign? Do you want to read what Sophie has to say? She's usually pretty long-winded. Winded. Let's read her long-wind. All right. Yes, I would like to hear what she has to say. Okay. You were a lot of things, I'm sure. But dumb is absolutely not one of them. This is a very, very dicey situation, and there isn't one clear, correct answer. Theoretically, and keep in mind that in the land of theory, everything is simple, it's pretty easy for me to draw a moral boundary and say, no, you shouldn't take a job where you are involved in an MLM in any way, shape, or form. However, life does not work in theory. Damn, coming for Paul on that one. On top of the fact that you need a job and are having a hard time finding one, there is the fact that the vast majority of jobs out there are at least minorly unethical. Most companies are doing incredible shady shit unchecked. 
Often they're doing it to their employees, but they often also ask their employees to carry out their shady shit for them. It's truly a hallmark of corporations and companies that they're trying to get money from people and that in order to do that, they do sketchy stuff. Every single company I have ever worked for has done at least one thing that was a yikes. My point is that I don't think that if you take this job, you are damned to hell for all eternity and deserve every single bad thing that could ever happen to you. If you need to take the job, I understand, and I'm sorry. It sucks to have to make a choice that goes against what you believe in because you need to live. If, however, you have any wiggle room at all to keep looking for another job, I would strongly encourage it. I do think it's morally questionable to ask people for money that they cannot afford to give, and I'm not sure the structure of this particular company, but like you said, recruiting people to potentially lose money is not good. I do also think your concerns about people seeing the company that you worked for and knowing that it is an, ML and knowing that it is an MLM are not unfounded. MLMs often get exposed in big, public ways, and it's certainly possible that in a year or two, you will not want your name associated with the company. If you have the financial means to, again, I would strongly encourage you to hold off and keep looking for a better opportunity, or at least a different one. As a compromise of sorts, you can take this job and keep looking for a new position. A try to get out there as soon as possible kind of thing. When asked why you left so soon after being hired, you can say in your interview for a new job, I wasn't totally comfortable with the company structure of MLM company, even though I love their mission. Instead of recruiting, I'm looking to X, Y, and Z at my next position, or some bullshit like that. There exists a lot of online advice about how to explain leaving a job after only a short period of time. Most people get it. All of the shit with this particular company aside, let me be so clear about something. You are not behind. Your life has already started. It started when you were born. The value you bring to the table as a human is innate. It is not created with a job starting, nor can it be lost with a job ending. Please, please, please believe me that no one in their 20s, myself very much included, has any idea who the fuck they're going to become or what life will look like. None of us knows what they're doing. A lot of us are panicked and scared like little baby ducks, paddling frantically under the water while trying to look as calm from above. It is your first time on earth. You aren't supposed to be an expert at this shit. Your life is moving forward in so many ways that have nothing to do with your job. Perhaps you're learning to be a better friend, a better child to your parents, a better sibling. Perhaps you're learning what morals and boundaries are. Perhaps you're learning a great recipe for jambalaya. Your life is not your job, and your job is not your life. You don't get a medal at the end of your life for making smart work choices. The reality is most jobs suck at least a little because our corporate structure culture is evil, and I know a lot of jobs, especially entry-level ones, are horrendous. Please do not use jobs as a measuring stick. Use your kindness, your character, the way you love people, but not a fucking job that you've been forced to get to make money so you can stay alive. You are worth way more than that. Yeah, I still stick with my answer. Don't take the job. I just wanted to mention for the audience, I know you can't see Paul. He's literally on a horse right now. Just a really high horse. <laughs> That's true. So you think you, you agree with Sophia? Like this is in the realm of acceptable to work at a multi-level marketing scheme? I think with the context that she gave, yeah. And honestly, I thought that answer got weirdly, uh, I feel like I was watching the end of everything everywhere all at once. At the end of that, I was starting to tear up. I was like, damn, that's beautiful, Sophia. Did you really tear up at that movie? Yeah. Yeah, because I judge you more and more every day, brother. You you already knew that. So I judge you more and more for not remembering things that I tell you about me tearing up about things. <laughs> well, I can't remember every time you cry. It happens way too frequently. <laughs> God, this broad sure can cry. Yakety, yep. <laughs> I'm trying, to other I'm trying to criticize a movie for actual cinematic reasons, and Adrian's just crying and saying that he liked it. <laughs> the other day I told you that a shirt made your shoulders look a little bit flat, and you teared up. 
Where did that come from? Where's that example from? I, I, I just assumed that was an X. <laughs> oh, okay. I assume Paul do... was like, I have endless reasons of why I made people cry to pull from. Which one can I bring out for this one? Oh, okay. So the other day I explained to you the idea of percentages and you started crying. <laughs> no, daddy. <laughs> Everything is whole. Everything is one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a legitimate example I have of the time I made something. Oh, I know. I, yeah, I knew. <laughs> okay. That was um, very clear. Do we want to go to the third segment? Oh, uh, you didn't have anything else to say about Sophia's answer? I disagree, but I don't think she's coming from a bad place. I think our reading of how destitute this person or desperate for a new job they seemed was different. It seemed like they really wanted a new job, but for career progression purposes, she seemed to think that they needed it for life purposes. And I think that's, I would agree with her if the person seemed like they desperately needed a new job. To me, it sounds like they want to move up in responsibility, which is not the same as desperately needing a job. Mm. I agree with that. You can wait for a better opportunity to come by if your current job is meeting your life needs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I think that's a good point. I want to bring up one last media roundup. Um, I got asked to uh, star in a movie recently. And so I want to make it clear that sometimes things can happen really spontaneously and you can get your dream job out of nowhere. So maybe you should just stick with a job that's meeting your needs, even if it's not your favorite, and then see where it leads from there. I went to a coffee shop in Columbia, South Carolina. I ordered my coffee. A guy at a table pulls me over and says, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, yeah, sure. What's up? And he said, uh, I, have you done any acting before? Are you interested in doing any acting? And I said, um, no, not really. But what's up? And he said, well, I'm filming a... Uh, a short film here in town uh, over the next few months. And uh, there's a character in it. And I feel like when I saw you come into the coffee shop that uh, you really were exactly the kind of person I was looking for to play that character. And I said, well, I'm just here for the holidays, but thanks for thinking of me. And then I walked away. Um, And then the guy uh, showed me a scene from the movie. And there was this big black couch uh, that it was set in. Um, And I was like, oh, that sounds cool, but I don't have the time to do this. So really all of that for a porno joke. That was a true story, though, besides the, the porno joke. Oh, 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 wow, really? Yeah, I, yeah. some guy tried to scout me for his local uh, indie film or whatever. Well, what an opportunity missed. That seems like it would have been fun. You could have gone to the, whatever local film festival Columbia has. Yeah, we do have one. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a very good actor. Unlike Phil, I'm, I'm, I'm able to uh, admit that I'm not a very good actor. <laughs> Unlike me, who's a great actor. All right, third seggy? Yeah, third segment. So, Adrian, what subreddit gets to the idea of being naughty or nice more than any other subreddit. Naughty or nice question mark. R slash nice guys. No, that's a subreddit making fun of guys who think they deserve sex for being nice to women. Oh, then probably am I the asshole? Ding, ding, ding. You got it, King. Uh, We're going to pull some uh, examples of r slash am I the asshole post and talk through our logic, judging these people as naughty or nice. All right, Adrian, so I'm going to go ahead and pull one up. Mine are all sourced from the- Also, I feel like we kind of hit this already because we brought in a Dear Prudy question, but yes, if you're in the audience going, oh, so many of those are fake, yeah, so many of our advice columns are fake. Who gives a shit? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um. Also, you think what? These tits are real? My ass is real? Are you doing your Chris Rock bit about how women are actually the biggest liars? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's not that. how tall you are. Wearing makeup? You- that's not how pretty you are. You think that's Adrian's real hairline? This whole podcast runs on lies. Come on now. 
Do you also want to do his bit about the two different types of black people real quick for the audience? No, I don't. But I do want to say that my friend Charlie, I know that the famous one was the San Tried Francisco. To do it. <laughs> the, friend, the San Francisco event was the Dave Chappelle show that got the most traction because Elon came out. My friend Charlie was at the uh, Sacramento show with Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, and Black Thought apparently came out to do a set too. Um, but yeah, he was like, yeah, uh, I think Chris Rock has finally gone full, like, old rich boomer who just makes terrible jokes now. Like, And he kept trying to do the thing where he was like, divorced from my social social justice attitude, it just wasn't good comedy. Because he was talking about how uh, Chris Rock was saying that women uh, are never going to be valued for their accomplishments, only how hot they are or something like that. And he was like premise aside it just wasn't a very good like line of jokes i know that's the funny thing about those things like jerry seinfeld is the same way where he now does like yeah yeah like the famous one where he was upset people didn't laugh at his uh gay at his gay king joke and he's like Mm -hmm. they're so woke now you say the word gay on stage they get offended it's like it's the one of the worst jokes i've ever heard jerry (laughs) i mean i remember adam's texting me about how he didn't like that joke in that set like the night of um, yeah, and no, it's weird, too, because there's a progression, right? Like, Jerry, like, four years ago or five years ago, when him and Chris Rock both had a special around the same time, I watched both of them, and I was like, man, you can really tell Jerry's just falling off, but Chris Rock's still, like, spitting some real shit, and then now it's finally long enough in Chris Rock's life where he's now also gone full, just, like, rich boomer dude. Yeah. To be honest with you, I, of, like, the five specials Dave Chappelle has done since his, like, quote-unquote comeback... I've only liked one of them, and yeah. I mean, he's, he has good jokes in all of them. All of them have some transphobia or weird bullshit in them, but only one of them was, like, legitimately funny enough that I was like, oh, that's a good special beginning to end. The rest were like, oh, oh. like, he's just not even that good compared to, like, contemporaries or other yeah. comedians from his era anymore. Now that Ron Funches was in that big soccer versus football World Cup commercial, how long do you think it's going to be before Ron Funches is up there being like, you know, I'm supposed to be a cuddly guy. You know what I don't get? Pronouns. (laughs) How can I be a cuddly guy if all these ladies can just be a cuddly guy? Am I right? (laughs) Come on now. And then he brings out J.K. Rowling onto the stage. And she does one of his old famous bits. She's like, the blueberries are in season. Wait, wait, no, the what berries are in <laughs> the season? The blackberries. The blackberries are in season in Portland, y'all. Come on, y'all. Here <laughs> comes Rowling. my favorite author. She's kind of like the book Babel if you remove France Fanon from it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we've really gotten... So niche. It's the only jokes at this point. People who have v- listened very closely to us <laughs> would get, but... um, Okay, pulling out this I Am The Asshole post, posted, uh, all of these are sourced from the uh, Twitter account, at A-I-T-A underscore online. The first post I have is, am I the asshole for embarrassing my little brother with my Halloween costume? My brother, 18M and I, a 21F... Go to the same university. I play soccer, and my teammates nicknamed me. You know what I realized? Truck- I've never read a single "Am I the asshole?" with an NB. Twenty-one E B E N B Y. Yeah, are these uh? Is this a sign? I've definitely birth, read or- them with T. I've read T. Really? Okay. Okay. Or like MTF or FTM. Oh, usually okay. they specify. Okay. All right. So it's still very much uh, in the binary, but okay. But you're right. I haven't read one with an NB. 
My teammates nicknamed me Dump Truck Danny because I have gained a bit of weight on spe- in a specific area. I thought the nickname was harmless and funny, and no one on campus really made it weird. For Halloween, I decided to play up the nickname, and I was a dump truck for Halloween and even put an oversized load sign on my back. I told my brother what I was going to be, and he said he would never talk to me again if I went through with the costume because it would embarrass him. I didn't think he was serious, and I went through with it. Now he's actually not talking to me, and a lot of my family is saying I shouldn't have worn the costume. I'm honestly not sure if I should apologize or not. That's a good one. Yeah, because she is definitely not the asshole. In what world would she be the asshole for wearing a, I'm a dump truck? Wait, for wearing I, a dump sorry. truck Danny costume. I'm doing the same thing again where I uh, I didn't listen as well as I could have. She gained weight, or like, what was it? Like, was it quarantine weight, or what was it? Yeah, she gained some weight in her ass. Hell yeah, brother. I mean, I think, if anything, he's just conflicted. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar voice. <laughs> I, I was conflicted. I could see you was conflicted. I could see you was misusing your influence. <laughs> misusing your influence. I mean, as always, have a mature conversation with your brother about what the issue is, but it's only going to be a weird thing on him. Like, there's no way you're the asshole. I She's definitely not the asshole, but I I don't think he's incestuous. I think he's probably, like, weirdly conservative and is like, my sister can't be a sex symbol. That's those other sluts who are sex symbols. She's I mean, a good what's funny about that conservative is girl. Ben Shapiro's sister, sister also a sex symbol online. People really like her titties. <laughs> so I like this little Which Ben Shapiro kid. Mean. I do honestly think those jokes are a little bit mean. Like, I mean, whatever, fuck her. She's a piece of shit just like him. But, like, also... She doesn't want to be, like, talked about like that. It seems kind of mean to make it a big joke to talk about her titties. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Well, you know me, Adrian. I'm just a nice guy. Ladies, email us at BigFactsNoCapPod if you want my number for being such a nice guy who cares about women's hey. uh, rights like that. Yeah, across boundaries. He's one of those people who were like, hey, you know what? Ezra Miller, whatever. But, like, let's not misgender them <laughs> when we're talking about them. You don't think she's like a remnant of like the 1990s and early 90s or whatever, where like having a big butt was the worst thing you could say to a woman and everyone wanted a small butt? <laughs> oh, yeah, there was an era where big butt was an insult. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, isn't that so funny? Like, I'm so glad that I didn't grow up in that era, but, or that I wasn't influenced by that era's uh, notions, because uh, I'll tell you what, that ain't me. That ain't the real me. You know, the more I think about it, it makes sense that the American people were so ready to invade Iraq after 9-11. It was just a different time. We just didn't know back then. <laughs> I can just imagine the same people that think having a fat ass is a bad thing wanting to invade Iraq. That makes sense. They really were just like taught by society to like not like the best things. In to life. hate everything that's beautiful. Yeah, that's true. To desire destruction mm. and pain and mm. not love and beauty mm-hmm. and togetherness. Mm. And fat asses. All right, Adrian, did you bring in any your air? No, I didn't look any up. <laughs> All, right, cool. All right, Adrian, so I got another one. I got this one. Um, am I an asshole because I used my lacrosse skills for evil? Another sports one. Okay. My wife says I'm being a huge asshole. My wife. My wife. I like to keep my front lawn very neat and tidy. I am not OCD about it, but it's. But let's just say if I let's just say if I lived in an HOA, I would never be warned about my lawn. I have one neighbor who lets her dog crap on my lawn. This isn't an issue, it's what dogs do. 
Other dog walkers also let their dogs do their business and promptly pick it up and walk a couple houses down to the bus stop and put it in the trash, or take it somewhere else if they're walking the other way. The one neighbor, however, doesn't pick it up unless someone is watching her. Well, I have a doorbell camera and I can see from my office when this happens. For the last two weeks, I have been using my old lacrosse skills and a homemade poop flinger to return her property. I may have gotten enthusiastic and it didn't always land on her lawn. Sometimes the house, sometimes her sidewalk, one time the roof. As I stated, my wife thinks I'm being a jerk. Am I the asshole? I mean, I'm going to assume because he's playing lacrosse, he's probably an asshole in general. If he was like, <laughs> I made a catapult or something to, <laughs> from my old physics skills or whatever, that'd be cooler. But yeah, if you're just flinging poop back in her lawn, I'm not mad at this one. I'm not going to lie. People who don't pick up their poop, one of my pet peeves. I said that last episode. Yeah, this is a pretty funny idea. I will say that to your neighbors, I could see why they would think you're an asshole. Doesn't probably doesn't look like you have a lot of proof for reason yeah. to be grabbing poop and slinging it on another neighbor's asshole. Probably looks like you're a weird, vindictive jerk. Mm-hmm. But considering did you, you have say the doorbell- flinging poop on someone's asshole, what did you say? <laughs> I don't know. Cut it. Uh, yeah, to the neighbors, it probably doesn't look like you're doing a cool thing, but they don't have the doorbell proof. I guess is he not doing this at um, night? When is he doing this in the middle of the day? Here's my advice, and I know we're just trying to decide if they're naughty or nice, mm-hmm. but I'm going to give this guy advice to you. Buy a projector. Use the doorbell cam footage of her slinging the poop. Next time she has friends over, project on her house as, like, invitees are showing mm-hmm. up to her home. Video of her letting her dog crap and not picking it up. Damn. Okay. But I'm going to say this guy, not naughty. He's nice. That's fine. Um, I don't There's think he's more nice, ways to but don't, ways yeah, I don't think he's naughty. I'd put him in the whimsical category right in between <laughs> naughty and nice. I think it'd be cooler if he just shat on her lawn straight up. Mm, he should have his like wife a- take him out with a collar on and like a leash. And he should just on all fours, get into her lawn, take a big old dumper and then just keep walking. Yeah. And if they don't have that DNA testing tools, they'll never know who did it. Exactly. Also, light it on fire before you send it over. Make it like a Molotov cocktail. Okay, I think at that point you'd definitely be committing a crime <laughs> if you tried to burn her house down with flaming dog poop. I mean, I don't know how long poop lasts on fire, to be honest. I don't think it's a good fuel source. Am I the asshole for pointing out the historical inaccuracies of my girlfriend's erotic writing? Okay, I like where this is going. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> my 23M girlfriend, 20F, let me use her old computer while mine is broken, and I found an old archived... Let me use her old computer while mine is broken. And I found an old archive wrote by her when she was 16. I'm going to go ahead and say, based on the grammatical errors I'm having to fix real time while reading this, he should be critiquing anybody's writing at all. Um, It is a long story about a maid in the antebellum South that had a romantic affair with the man of the house. It is not as overtly sexual as you may be thinking. It has sex, mostly towards the ending, but it's mostly romantic and very emotional. The maid is clearly meant to be a version of my girlfriend. Everything was fine for me until the part when they arrived to a train station. The maid wanted to leave because she couldn't bear for the romance to be hidden anymore. The man was following her to try to convince her to stay. The issue is that I found the general representation of the station, and later in the story, the trains themselves, to be full of anachronisms. I am a train enthusiast, and I know a lot about the history of rail transportation in yes, the United States. Yes, let's so go! T- <laughs> let's go! <laughs> so I talked to my girlfriend about it, but she got upset because she says I shouldn't have read 
But she got upset because she says, I shouldn't have read that because it was a personal thing from when she was a teenager. She was also mad that my reaction was something as superficial as the level of train accuracy. Am I the asshole? Um, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you read it without asking her. You know that was <laughs> shitty to do. I mean, I guess, but like her issue is that it's about train accuracy, right? Not that he actually read it, or is 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 it both? No, it's both. She got upset because she says I shouldn't have read that because it was a personal thing from when mm. she was a teenager. Oh, that is embarrassing. That is really embarrassing. But also, if she wants to publish it, they could be a power couple. Like she, he could make sure that everything about. But the that is, is funny right. that he came to her not with like a "Oh my god, look at this funny thing you wrote when you were a kid." Like mm-hmm. let's both laugh and enjoy that. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's like you've grown. It's like a love story you wrote with like a teenager's mindset. He came to her like, honey, we have to talk about this. It's actually really offensive to me, a train enthusiast. I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't know. Is it any different than being Neil deGrasse Tyson's wife and then having him read your 16 year old <laughs> cosplayer or uh, fanfic where like you get wrong about what stars are in the sky at the night? <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're like, the, it was the night was July 16th. I had my first kiss. I remember the full moon shining in through the window. And he's like, you goddamn whore. <laughs> I'm leaving you. There was no full moon on a July 16th and 19th. <laughs> In 1985. I can't stand being married to you. (laughs) As far as, like, criticisms of your writing as a 16-year-old go, it sounds like he was actually really positive about the emotion of it and stuff. Yeah, uh, do you think this was him trying to be like, you have to publish this, but you do need to clean up some of these historical inaccuracies? I mean, he just sounded like, it sounded like he wasn't being a dick about the writing, really, in terms of, like, most of, like, the actual romance and stuff like that. Like, I thought... I'm thinking about the time my sister and me found some of her old writing on her computer, and we both definitely took the, we both definitely took the, like- Let's have a goof. Direction, yeah, that this is very funny how bad it is, and it's very funny to read, like, how a teenager thinks of the world and read through it, and we had a good time reading through it and laughing. Was that fanfic, or what was that? Yeah, it was like a, uh, it it was a fiction story, it wasn't fanfic, but it was Mm. a a fiction about- (laughs) Her and her four friends wrote it. I've told you about this. There was very clear analogs to each of them. And they were like going to parties with boys and stuff. And one of the girls' name had the first letter of my sister's name. And she was Lebanese. <laughs> Just mm. like a very... She she kissed a boy in the story. So. Ooh, and she Very spicy it. stuff. Yeah, no, dude, it was so funny to read through that. But I guess maybe for some people, that's like a little bit more embarrassing. It's not like, oh, let's laugh at this old thing it's more like god i'm so glad creative writing wasn't one of my things as a kid so naughty or nice you you seem to think this guy didn't do anything wrong i think he is a bit of an ass to come at her about the to read it and and then approach her about it to critique the trains accuracy i'm not gonna lie like if that's the worst thing you have to say about my writing from when i was 16 writing like erotica like i think that's kind of funny i'm not gonna lie i think that's kind of cool yeah, but once again, I think we're not looking at it from the, like, you have to look at it in the context of somebody who's embarrassed or maybe still, like, they feel some type of way about that writing, either an emotional connection or some sort of embarrassment or insecurity about their writing or that stage of their life as a creative. And it's not nice to, without their permission, like, I don't know, bring that back up in any certain sort of way. 
Am I the asshole for not balding? My dad is bald, five of my six brothers are bald, and my last brother is on his way. My uncle is balding, and apparently my grandfathers on both sides had no hair too. I'm 34, past the age any of them had lost their hair, and I still have all of mine. Apparently being bald is some bizarre cult identity for all of the guys in my family now, and every time there's a family gathering, there is a huge drama. I have t- <laughs> I have been told to shave it and been accused of my brothers of getting secret hair transplants, using anti-baldness medication, etc. My dad won't speak to me now because over Christmas he kept joking I wasn't actually his child and mentioning I should go and check with a doctor to check everything is okay. I did get very angry and told him it was ridiculous and being bald shouldn't be a part of their identities. I am very happy and proud of my hair and the whole thing just feels ridiculous and smells of jealousy to me. They think I'm an asshole for the crime of having hair and for not laughing along, but the jokes barely conceal some real contempt and I've had enough of it. This guy ain't acting in solidarity. (laughs) I think this guy is an asshole, yeah. I agree. One of the biggest assholes I've ever met. This kind of reminds me of Pierce's family. Pierce has basically said the same thing about how, like, all him and his siblings are going bald. is, And how, like, one of his siblings they make fun of because he paid, like, 10k to, like, get the hair transplant surgery or whatever. <laughs> My brother got that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, like, it's, like, a thing with them that, like, being bald is not, like, an identity thing. But, like, I, I, it, I felt very reminiscent of our conversations about his family when we were talking about uh, or when you were saying uh, what this Am I the Asshole post was. Um... No, this person's absolutely not the asshole. What are you talking about? What, what, what are you sh- talking about? Being bald, thing? anybody who's not bald is an asshole. I stand by that. I like the idea. So you would you would disown your son if he had hair? <laughs> yes. <laughs> From the get-go. From the get-go. But no, I, obviously you're right, Adrian. I was having a bit of a goof. That was all you wanted to say about that one? Nothing else? Yeah, it just seemed funny. It was yeah. pretty funny. That know. family's crazy. They crazy, though. They crazy, though. <laughs> Okay, cool. Uh, do we want to move into Big Fact Snow Cap? Yeah, Big Fact Snow Cap. Big Fact. It doesn't matter if you're naughty or nice. Your parents are the people putting those gifts under the tree every year. Wake up, sheeple. Uh, no cap. Naughty or nice. I'm kind of a centrist. I usually take what both of them say and I pick whatever is exactly in the middle between those things. Mmm, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's the only reasonable, thoughtful way to be. All right, Adrian. It was a fun one. All right, Paul. And ending music here. It was here. The famous song, Naughty or Nice by Mariah Carey. With his coat and his hat, I'm a just like Saint Nick. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch.